Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, taxes, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike. A lot of ground to cover today. Let me tell you about a conversation we're going to have later on in the program. You know about this coronavirus, right? You know about the Tooele County couple. Uh, They, out on a vacation, came down with some symptoms. Uh, They were put in isolation and quarantine on that cruise ship. And then ultimately, the husband, John uh, Herring, was tested. And he came back positive for the coronavirus. He, right now, is in quarantine in Japan. His wife uh, is here. Melanie is here in California, Travis Air Force Base. She herself in quarantine. And there are a number of questions. And Mr. Herring is very frustrated. He sent a letter around to anyone who would read it, airing some of his questions. He hasn't heard from U.S. officials. He hasn't heard from uh, officials from the cruise ship. He's not getting answers from the Japanese officials. Well, he will be my guest. We're going to speak to him from quarantine uh, just after 2 o'clock today on the program. Also, there are members of Congress getting involved. We'll speak with Chris Stewart, who represents uh, the Tooele area, is the Herring's congressman. We'll speak to the congressman and see exactly what is being done and what can be done uh, about the circumstances uh, facing uh, this Utah couple. That's all coming up on today's program. But right now, right now, we're going to have a conversation about a little thing happened on television last night down there in Sin City. Uh, Nevada Democrats got together. They debated. And as I always do, and will continue to do so in the future, uh, when we need insight into the goings on in the Democrat land, I invite my good friend Scott Howell in studio. And let me let me just first say I owe you a great thanks. You and Amy Donaldson on Monday did me an incredible service uh, as guest hosts on the program, letting me have a day off. Here's what happened that day while you were on the air. I was able to uh, drive down south to Utah County and see uh, my new twin nieces, uh, born on Valentine's Day. Uh, my wife's brother uh, had a pair of babies, and if it wasn't for you, I'd have had to find another time to visit him. But I got to see him on Monday for the first time, hold my own baby up to the glass and say, hey, check out your cousin. It's a sweet thing. You made it possible. Thank you, sir. Hey, listen, it was our honor. And <clears throat> be assured, Lee, you've got plenty of job security. Uh, you don't have to worry about Amy and I. Oh, stop that. We, we really... We we, we we have a new appreciation for all the things that you do to go through and prepare these shows, and they're so good. And uh, what broadcast is this? Forty today is episode forty-seven. That's what I thought. Forty-seven. That's great. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what. 
World Fight Club last night. WFC. Right. Come on down and let's really get the railing and tumble. Exactly it right. It was crazy. The, the, the big difference between last night's debate and the other, have there been nine? Yes, The nine. other nine debates nine. was, of course, the newcomer to the debate stage, Mike Bloomberg, former mayor of New York City. He spent incredible money on an advertising campaign. You've certainly seen it in your social media. Uh, you hear some ads playing on these airwaves, on TV. He's absolutely everywhere. That's not cheap. As we know, the numbers are pretty high, 330-some-odd million dollars he spent leading up to, to, to what happened yesterday. Uh, all those efforts got him to uh, pretty much second in the polls, most of them if yeah. you look at the averages. Yeah. How, how did he do last night? Well, uh, he didn't do well. <laughs> he got pummeled. I mean, could you tell that he was there? I mean, Elizabeth Warren coming right out of the chute. It was uh, Budacek coming right out of the chute. It was uh, Mellow Joe at least kind of d- did his own. But then he hit the fr- frisk and uh, the stop and frisk. Stop and frisk. And it was it was a gang up. But, you know, the one thing that I thought Bloomberg held his decorum. Now, in the media, that's being shown as oh, he didn't punch back. He didn't punch back. I think he knew a lot of those things were coming. But that debate last night, it was incredible. And I think what it showed was the character of a lot of those candidates. And uh, it's interesting. The poll was taken this morning uh, here in the state of Utah. And uh, actually, uh, Buddha, or, uh, Bernie and uh, um, uh, uh, Bloomberg are tied. They came in at 16%, and it just came out this morning, so it was really interesting. There was a lot of ground covered, uh, and there was something that I had not been paying attention to, and it's this notion of non-disclosure agreements. Yes. uh, Mike Bloomberg was on the receiving end of a a lot of criticism, uh, led off first by Elizabeth Warren. We are not going to beat Donald Trump with a man who has who knows how many non-disclosure agreements and the drip, drip, drip of stories of women saying they have been harassed and discriminated against. That's not what we do as Democrats. Let me play the mayor's response, Mayor Bloomberg's response to that accusation, and I'll get some of your thoughts, Scott. Non-disclosure agreements. How how many is that? Let me finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just and let me put there's agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet. And that's up to them. Will this storyline linger? Will this be something that haunts uh, Michael Bloomberg or was what we saw last night the sum total of the attention to be paid to these NDAs? It was a great big emotional shot that will hit one time. And, I mean, the answer would have been, if you think that I've done anything wrong, look at our current president. Let's talk about his immorality. Let's talk about, you know, grabbing them in the private areas. Let's just go do that. But you know what? Elizabeth Warren is desperate. And, Lee, she came through that way last night. She is really getting desperate. One of my predictions, just viewing where she stood in polls and different, you know, you take the polls as best you can here and there. She needed something that would make her stand out, that redefine her efforts and maybe reposition herself and speak to new individuals. Did she pull that off? No. I'll tell you, when she attacked Amy Klobuchar, that was the big uh, bad mistake right there. Uh, because they had actually kind of been joining together as women on the stage. But when she went after her, that was a major mistake. That was one that just showed how desperate she really is. And I I think that you're going to see quickly 
it, it almost appeared to me like she was trying to be B Bernie's running mate. It was like, see me over here, Bernie. I really like your plan. And uh, even though I told you that nobody could ever afford the plan and it would bankrupt the whole United States, now it's like, well, Bernie's got a good plan. Bernie's mm -hmm. got this. And, you know, a lot of these people that run for office are really just uh, uh, reaching out and being the talent trying to get elected. I mean, picked as the VP. And that's where I think she was last night. I, about halfway through, I realized that I needed to be observing the debate last night through that lens. I need to, when, go. when the deck chairs are reshuffled, who is going to end up with whom? Because that, we could see all the pairings up on stage right there. We could see uh, Sanders, or we could see Elizabeth Warren alongside Bernie right. Sanders. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Uh, Do you have any more thoughts along those lines? Well, you know, I just think that, uh, once again, uh, as, as much traction as Bernie gets, just do the math. I want every millennial to go out there and just do some simple math. And it's, you know what, in my world as a Democrat... It's okay if you make money because think of all the jobs that Mike Bloomberg has created, all the benefits that he's been able to give to his, uh, I think he's 30 or 40,000 employees. Yeah. People forget and, and think of all the charities that he's given to. You know, on these, he made a point a, a number of times to point out the fact that the bulk of his spending is done in philanthropic. And he's on on that topic of his tax returns, right? Uh, you know, he said, "Listen, this is a complicated thing." Now, that is reminiscent of some of the explanations we received from, right, Donald, from Trump. Donald Trump. Uh, but he said, "What you will see when all is said and done, and when these tax returns are made available, the bulk of my spending is in my philanthropic." And, and you know, I believe that, but it was a cheap shot against him to it. I mean, ninety nine percent of us used him to it. Yeah. All right. On our block. Oh yeah, I felt I felt bad. <laughs> now uh, was it uh, was it uh, Amy Klobuchar yeah. came back and said, "Hey, my husband there in the front row, he does our taxes. We certainly qualify for TurboTax or whatever." Well, Elizabeth Warren also took that shot. It's like uh, her health plans on a post-it note. Oh she said, yeah. Wait, 3M is out of Minneapolis, and it was kind of <laughs> like, "Whoa, don't be going after 3M." Yeah. Hey, uh, listen, we need to take a quick break here. Sure. I want to sure, come sure, back. Sure. I want to walk through. We've got some audio to play from the candidates last night, as well as oh well, I have here, I want to talk about uh, Mayor Bloomberg, not in Nevada last night, but in Salt Lake City today. Sure, sure. Uh, my guest, Scott Howell, we're talking about what happened last night in Nevada, uh, Nevada amongst the Democrats. And uh, in the next segment, we're going to look at what Mayor Bloomberg had, candidate Bloomberg, running for president, had to say to Salt Lake City voters just this morning. That's next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Episode 47. That's <laughs> Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. KSL's Live Mike, Live Mike. with Lee Lonsberry. 
Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. I'm joined by Scott Howell here joining me in studio as we break down the debate uh, held by the Democrats last night, as well as in this segment, we're going to talk about a visit made to Salt Lake City just this morning by former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg. He, last night, appearing on the debate stage for the first time, uh, got beat up pretty good. Uh, the debate started, I don't think we were 15 seconds in uh, before Bernie Sanders was mentioning stop and frisk. Uh, next up to bat was Elizabeth Warren, who set her sights on Mayor Bloomberg, mentioning some of the comments that he had made about women uh, and some of the accusations against him on that front. But uh, he was in Salt Lake City this morning talking about different things. Before we go into that, can we talk about Mayor Pete for a second? Yes, uh, Scott. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Play, uh, he had a line last night that uh, uh, struck me. Here it is. As the, I think, lone person on the stage who's not a millionaire, let alone a billionaire, I believe that part of what needs to change is for the voices of the communities that haven't felt heard on Wall Street or in Washington to actually be brought to Capitol Hill. Let's put forward somebody who actually lives and works in a middle-class neighborhood in an industrial Midwestern city. Let's put forward somebody who's actually a Democrat. Scott, first off, is Mayor Pete that much different than the rest of the candidates? Does he does he genuinely stand apart, both as he characterizes himself, someone who is actually a Democrat, and then is it significant for him to highlight and point out that he's the only one on stage, not a millionaire? Or billionaire. Well, yeah, or billionaire. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, uh, there's one thing for sure. He's probably the smartest one intellectually on that stage. He is really, uh, he's a Rhodes Scholar. He's a Cambridge graduate. I mean, the guy has everything. Speaks seven languages. And I, I think his point about being a real Democrat didn't quite cut it. I think a real Democrat is someone who's progressive, but is also respectful of uh, the infrastructure and the plight of the poor and the plight uh, of helping um, uh, be able to make laws that, that really represent the whole community. What he said, though, was really, really enlightening when he made the point that he was the only one who didn't have more than three houses. And I thought that kind of <laughs> caught everybody a little bit there. Uh, you know, that was Bernie when he said, well, I only have three houses. I don't have. And then the rest of them backed off really quickly. But I, I think when it, lo it looks at intelligence, um, it, it is clearly the mayor that um, uh, Buttigieg that has that capability. But for his policy, I'm not sure it can be sustainable again. It's just not something that I think the country's ready for. On that topic of three houses, here's uh, Mayor Bloomberg attacking Bernie Sanders on that issue. Best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What did I miss here? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live yeah. in Berlin, house 1. House 2. That's house good. Two. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. <laughs> I have a summer camp. That's funny. Well, yeah, that'd be like saying, well, forgive me, because like every Utah, we have a place down in St. George or in Moab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, come on. Everybody's got one down there. Yeah, sure. Right. Like, like most Utahns, I have my escape up yeah, in Park City. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My little my humble Valley abode. Lodge. Yeah, right there. And so I, I think for most Utahns, we went, yeah, sure. Yeah, but okay. I, but I, I do think that Pete has right, a role to, to the play. Mayor. And one of them that I thought was interesting is you saw people uh, jockeying to be the VP. Yes. And he was raising his hands up a little and saying, hey, wait, just a second. I want to be the VP, too. And the political acumen that people usually continue to uh, as they as they get more into politics, you see that. And that was very clear. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. How about this? Let's play uh, fantasy VP. Who does Mayor Pete uh, best pair with? Well, I think he could be with Bernie uh, because that would be bring in a lot of the LGBTQ uh, vote that they've talked about for a long does time. Does Bernie have the stomach for a moderate Democrat? Oh, boy, that's the biggest challenge. That would be uh, uh, cold and, and hot, butting heads all the time. They're just so far apart on so many They issues. are. They are. And uh, But you know what? Uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, team of rivals, you kind of sure. got to go back and think about that when you think about where we've been and what it could be. Uh, Klobuchar clearly would be working well with Biden. I mean, that is, and, and let me get my full disclosure. I forgot to do that. I'm a Biden person all, right, right, right. all the way. So, but well, uh, I, you know, we haven't spoken much about Joe Biden. How would your boy do last night? You know what? He came out. He he caught on fire, and yeah. he needed to do that. Uh, it was interesting. We had a pre-call, pre-debate call, and then one after. But you know what? He he maintained himself last night, and he showed the true Joe. And and I think his uh, whole character about when they talked about who can name the president of Mexico. Well, it was only Joe who said, I've not only named him, I've yeah. been down there working with him. I've been on the border. I've done this. I've done that. I delivered $50 million or whatever it was. Uh, and and I think it goes to, again, show his experience. That was a fascinating part of the debate. Amy Klobuchar was uh, challenged for having forgotten the name of the president of Mexico, but also the claim by the moderator was that she was unable to name any specific Mexican policies. The There were other candidates last night who kind of came uh, attacking her. Mayor Pete uh, said, yeah, well, he, yeah, no, it's, it's he was very, relentless. Yeah, it's very important that you know these types of things. That we could, It is more than just trivia. This is something that we need to understand and know as our biggest trading partner, one of our largest trading partners. We need to uh, have a familiar relationship with this information. And you know, there's one thing about this that I loved, and it's, maybe it's because I've debated so many times against the like of Orrin Hatch and other you know, leading Utahns. Um, I like it when somebody says, I forgot. I made a mistake. I think it shows the human side of that person. And when she said, I'm sorry, I forgot. And she, I, she apologized for forgetting the president's name, but she didn't address the policy matters. She does claim, though, that later in the agree. interview, she does talk about them more at length. But she, last night, she didn't address the, the inability or the, at least the accusation of having an inability to remember policy issues. And the moderator kept going after her, if you remember. Right. I mean, he, she would not let him go. But I, I think when you're up there on the stage, Lee, and the one thing that I've learned, it, we all are great armchair quarterbacks. And we can yeah. all make those great choices. But I appreciate it when somebody says, you know what? I forgot and I made a mistake. But then she did come back strong and say, I was the one that led the immigration uh, initiative under uh, President Bush and, and I carried it on through Obama. So that was very good. Time's getting tight. I want to share some of the comments made by uh, Mayor Bloomberg as he appeared here in Salt Lake sure. City just this morning. So how was your night last <laughs> night? <laughs> Look, the real winner in the debate last night was Donald Trump. Because I worry that we may very well be on the way to nominating somebody who cannot win in November. And if we choose a candidate who appeals to a small base like Senator Sanders, it will be a fatal error. We need Democrats and independents and Republicans to win. And that... And I want to play one more clip where Mayor Bloomberg here in Salt Lake City just this morning makes mention of uh, Mitt Romney and Ben McAdams. McAdams proved that a Democrat can win a congressional seat here. Mitt Romney proved, Mitt Romney proved the Trump fever gripping the Republican Party can break here. And in November, 
And in November, we're going to prove that a Democratic candidate for president can win here statewide. Is the mayor right? Well, uh, Trump and his team uh, likely couldn't be happier seeing what they saw from the debate last night. Arguments of capitalism versus socialism, moderates unable to settle on one, candidate overall squabbling are the music that make America great theme again work. So he's right in that sense. He's also right that Utah could flip. He's Now, I full disclosure, I had an opportunity to meet with him this morning in a private meeting. Uh, Mike Bloomberg. I did. And uh, my wife and I were very impressed. And, and I'm, uh, I, I really got to know him well. And I'll tell you what, uh, if my guy doesn't make it, then you're going to see all in for Mike Bloomberg. Because he is the guy that could take on President Trump. And you know what? It would be a good race. You've got two capitalists. You've got two people who look at the country in different eyes. But two people that I think really could have a great contest. And it, it, hopefully civility would reign. Scott Hallister, I'm grateful to you for joining me. Always a Thank pleasure, so Lee. I always appreciate it. And I guess the last message I've got, please, please, everyone, go out and vote. You can still get a ballot. Uh, please, please vote. It's more important than ever. We'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, sir. Number 47. I love being here. That's the way. <laughs> uh, in our next segment, we're going to speak about an issue. I got, I got word from the Utah State Legislature this morning. They have sent a letter to President Trump. I'm going to share with you the details of that letter, read you from it, and give you some of my analysis next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.